0: Hey, everybody, this is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast Podcast Network. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Today we present our conversation with 44th LD Representative John Lubbock in a recent op-ed for the Everett Herald in response to the murder of George Floyd. Representative Lubbock shares his perspective as someone who has both grown up black in America and who has served in law enforcement for many years. We also talk about the work he's done at the legislative level to increase police accountability here in Washington. This is excerpted from a town hall recorded on Tuesday with legislative candidates from the 44th Legislative District. I hope that you will join us for this important conversation, which is just ahead. Let's begin with John Lubbock. He first served as representative from 1999 to 2007 and then again since 2016 to present. He also recently served as interim speaker of the House. He has been a member of the Mill Creek City and Snohomish County Councils, serving as the Snohomish County Executive from 2013 to 2015. Additionally, Representative Lubbock has served as Snohomish County Sheriff and has been a sergeant with the Washington State Patrol since 1997. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Stefan. And I when you listen, as I'm listening to you, you're the listeners are probably thinking this guy can't find a job that he likes anywhere. I hope they don't think that. I absolutely love what I've had the opportunity to do. I'm honored to serve in the legislature. Tremendously honored to have served in other positions but I'm really glad to be here and I want to recognize Anita and members of Indivisible so thanks for having me.
0: You're so welcome and quite to the contrary I think when people hear your CV they're they're very impressed. Uh, The breadth of your experience uh, I think speaks volumes and you know Given your experience both in law enforcement and also as a legislator, I would like to start this evening's discussion by getting your response to the murder of George Floyd by law enforcement officers and the protests and the uprisings that have followed uh, in the subsequent weeks, because you wrote an op-ed in the Everett Herald where you give your perspective both as someone who grew up black in America and also as somebody who has worked in law enforcement. I wonder if we could just begin by having you share some of your thoughts from that piece.
1: Well, I'll just start by saying when you look at the murder and that's exactly what it was when you look at the murder of George Floyd uh, And you and then you look at just how uh, the man was treated um, I I can't get I just can't get my head away from the fact that I'm looking at an officer with his hand in his pocket with his glasses on top of his head with his uh, left knee on George Floyd's neck and it was just like a walk in the park for him. Now I I spent 31 years in law enforcement. I'm I'm sorry, almost four decades, but 31 years as a state trooper. And I'm telling you, when you get in a in a in a battle with the with a, uh, a suspect or or uh, a person you you are arresting, it's not that casual. It's not. You don't put your hands on the, the top of your head. You don't look around at the crowd like there's nothing going on. But you know what? It it, it opened a lot of eyes, uh, Stefan. And I think what people are seeing, pretty much what a lot of people had said before. uh, uh, And I like what one guy said, he said, we're not having more incidents, it's just being recorded now. And so my thoughts are, it's gonna be a game changer with respect to how we do law enforcement, but it has to trouble, I'm troubled, just tremendously troubled by what I saw in that video and what I'm seeing now in other uh, situations around the country but also hopeful because I'm, I'm hopeful with, with what I'm seeing with respect to how people are addressing this and uh, how we are, you know, we wouldn't be in this conversation, I don't believe, but people are looking at this and saying, it's time for us to do something different and this is the time that we're gonna get it done.
0: I I really want to have that conversation about systemic change. Uh, But before we move on from that, I just want to encourage everybody to read this op-ed. It is extraordinary. Uh, I will also mention that uh, April Berg, uh, whom we'll be talking with shortly, also wrote an op-ed for The Herald. And Kat will provide a link to both of those in the chat for everybody. So as I mentioned, The Nation is now talking about, and you you mentioned as well, major changes in law enforcement. And, And I would like to get your perspective on how you see the state's role in terms of oversight of law enforcement. And and here's where I'd like to begin. You prime sponsored two pieces of legislation that I think are particularly salient. The first was HB 1767. That creates a law enforcement grant program to expand alternatives to arrest and jail processes. The governor signed this in law in uh, 2019. What does that do specifically?
1: You know, basically what it does is we, we, we decided we would look and see what were we arresting people for? If, if we were arresting, and we were, we were arresting a lot of people for nonviolent offenses, and we decided that we needed to to have an alternative to, to arrest, find ways to get them the care and the treatment they need. I was a, a state trooper for 31 years, and I saw more than a few times we would arrest someone, take that person to jail. By the time you finished your report, they were back out doing the same thing. So this allowed us to have some alternatives to really look out and see what are some of those offenses that we can actually go out and do things for people to, to help them get the care and treatment they need and keep them from getting arrested so that it won't be this revolving door, arrested uh, in and out of jail. And that's that was the idea behind the legislation.
0: Can you give us a sense of how it's been implemented and how it's working?
1: You know with the budget being what it is and what it was then we didn't have the resources to put the money into it but the, the uh, Stomish County previous sheriff of Snomish County had a nice program to 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 help with this And so we feel it's working fine But the beauty of it is that it is the law of the state And it will always be the law of the state and it's just going to be a matter of us getting dollars into it and what the budget that we're dealing with now. It's difficult to get the dollars there, but we will eventually do it because we're, we're creating a lot of, uh, you know, you, you can always pass legislation, but eventually you have to fund it. But the fact that we're able to pass this and, and, and help communities out, it's, it's, it's working well, but it's going to work much, much better. I
0: would like to also touch on another bill that you uh, introduced called Collecting Information Regarding Police Use of Deadly Force. This was in January you introduced this. Um, this is obviously something of very clear importance. And to the best of my knowledge, you can correct me if I'm wrong, this did not make it out of committee. What does this bill propose?
1: No, it actually did. Okay. Uh, it, uh, bill, we, we actually passed the bill out of the House and it kind of uh, uh, stalled in the Senate and uh It's going to be one of the first pieces of legislation that we will pass when we go back to, when we return to Olympia uh, in January. It basically uh, went through a process of collecting the data, the use of force data from agencies, because right now we have no mechanism to do that. To say, tell us how many cases of use of force cases you have going to every single agency and having them provide that information. To the uh, criminal justice training center, and they would monitor this uh, through an organization called waspit Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs. And I was disappointed. I worked it as hard as I could. We had a short 60 day session. We passed it out of the House, I think unanimously, and then uh, it stalled in the Senate. And that happens occasionally. Uh, a lot of pieces of legislation, uh, uh, the two other two members who will be looking for trying to become legislators, you'll find that it takes a lot of work to get it through. But I've done the the legwork that i need to do to just it's teed up and ready to go but we will do this and now more than ever we need to know we need to know about the, the level of use of force how many cases are right now we have nothing to tell us how many cases of use of force of the 300 plus agencies we have in our state
0: and why is that can you give us some insight into why there's been such impediment into getting information about something as basic as uh, police using deadly force
1: you, you, you know, you know, so it's it's a matter. Of, it's just a matter of, of just being able to collect the data, uh, and I think that's been the, the drawback. You know, uh, if you remember, the second president John Adams said that uh, facts are stubborn things, and when you get the facts, when 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 you can when you can walk out there and say, these are how many cases, these are how many arrests we made. This is the race, sex, gender of the person we arrested. These are how many cases of use of force. That that will give us the facts that we need to make decisions on how we implement how we pass legislation uh, in our state. And so I have no idea why it hadn't happened. And I looked around, uh, just, just traveling around the state, I, I'm with an organization called Council of State Government, and you travel around the state, uh, around the country, and you see what other states are doing. And I said, it's something we need to do here. Had a lot of support getting it out of the House of, Rep- House of Representatives. It just stalled in the Senate. And that's not unusual, but it's not gonna happen again.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, 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 I I would imagine that it will probably uh, have a a much better chance in the next session.
1: It's going to it's ready to go. As a matter of fact, I've had a couple of conversations with the uh, governor's staff and I've shared with them, you know, there are times that you go to Olympia and you say, this is my take home legislation. Everything that I sponsor is my take home legislation, but this is going to be my take home legislation. We are going to get this done.
0: I want to ask about another bill that you passed along these lines. This was in twenty eighteen. It was a bill creating mental health response teams. Now, we've heard this discussed as something that potentially should be taking off the list of things that police officers have to respond to. Tell us a little bit about what that bill does.
1: So so let me just take you back and I hope we have the time. So one day I was up at a, at a, a men's shelter cooking meals for them. And I looked out and I saw what 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 looked to be a fight a a real dispute between a couple of people a couple of homeless people at the shelter And as I'm watching this I'm there deep frying my turkeys and uh, as I'm watching this I saw an officer drive up. I recognized the officer, but I didn't recognize the passenger in the car And so I kept doing what I was doing and then I noticed that the officer stood back Didn't do what I probably would have done in my younger days. Uh, The officer stood back and and made sure that he monitored what was going on, but he let the person in the car. Well, she was a mental health professional. She walked up and spent time talking to the two people, and uh, the two people who were probably in a fight probably could have been arrested, their license were not uh, taken, they were not handcuffed and taken away, but someone came and gave them the care and the treatment that they need. So I was quite impressed with that. I looked around the state, I didn't see anything like that in place. Uh, I looked, uh, several uh, cities had it, and then I looked around the country and I saw that other places in the country had mental health field professionals going out with their law enforcement officers. Now, I am not saying that this is something that we will be able to continue doing, but what we were, we, what we were able to do with the legislation was to make sure that a person uh, living in our community with mental illness the jail is not the place for them. And I wanted to make sure that we did that so we had field professionals go out with our law enforcement officers and help engage them so that we would prevent an arrest and get them to the care and treatment that they need. And I know it's working well. It allowed us to put teams together, to put money into different teams. Snohomish County, uh, uh, maybe other counties, several cities in each county can get together and put these teams together. And we, it, I understand it's working well.
0: I, I will just ask you generally um do you feel like we've just run down a, a number of pieces of legislation that you've either passed or had had a real impact on do you feel like your position as someone with a law enforcement background helps in passing these sorts of, of bills on police reform
1: you, you know i do uh Stefan i'll tell you why you know we have a citizen legislature and the beauty of a, of a citizen legislature is you 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 draw people from all walks of life in the community uh, i went to Olympia years ago and i remember when i First started, we didn't have a primary seatbelt bill. Well, I was a state troop and I was going to literally hundreds of collisions where people were flying out of the car because they didn't have a seatbelt on. They were required to wear one, but it wasn't primary. So I explained it to the members and we passed a primary seatbelt bill. Didn't pass with a lot of votes, 54 in the House, uh, just 25 in the Senate. Uh, but within a year, we reduced the number of deaths Uh, just by several hundred. And and I found out that many people who didn't vote for it, many of my friends, and I I don't, to hold it against them, but they didn't vote for it, but they were going out around the communities bragging about the primary seatbelt bill that passed the legislature. So being in my position, it gives me just a tremendous opportunity to do a lot of things that other people can't do. It's just like that doctor, that nurse, that uh, other person who serves citizen legislature is really a tremendous way to go. And I have a, a, I like to say I have a good voice and people listen to me and I can speak from experience and that helps. Helps a
0: lot. Well, as somebody who's made his living with his voice for the last 20 years, you have a tremendous voice. I will tell you that. Uh, uh, You've I want to talk a little bit before in, in the time that we have left, I'd like to talk about your response to covid. Um, much of the impact of the pandemic has happened after the legislature adjourned. But you drafted some legislation in late April called the statewide pandemic preparation task force it already has 25 signatures what's in this bill
1: so 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 let me just say this you you probably know i I love the military and i love quoting dwight eisenhower and dwight eisenhower said plans are worthless but planning is everything and basically what he was talking about is you can have a plan that sits on the shelf and does nothing goes nowhere and then it it will be nothing once the the the, uh the, the disaster takes place so when we left the legislature i knew we were dealing with this pandemic uh, I just literally came home the first day and started planning uh, uh, to draft a legislation to, to to tell us the legislation is basically kind of in a nutshell is going to look back and say what went right, what went wrong, and what we must do better. And there are so many things that we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at things like uh, 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 extending expiration of license, uh, working for, at ways to, uh, to uh, Boost uh, healthcare programs, uh, automatic hazard pay. Uh, looking at uh, having a a, a a task force together, a volunteer task force of emergency responders to go into communities. And not one shoe, one size doesn't fit all. We'll go into one community and maybe it's not as bad there, but we can have our own supply of PPE. But it's it's a it's a deep bill, and uh, I shared it with members of the legislature. Literally drove to different places when I could get out of the house. I drove to different places around the uh, state and uh, I'm normally pleased if I got five signatures on a bill before I dropped it. Uh, We're not close to dropping this bill and the first 25 people that I talked to signed on to the bill because they know we need to be planning for the next disaster because the next disaster is going going to happen.
0: And this is something that is going to be presented in the 2021 session most likely and not during the emergency session?
1: well th- th- this an this is an interesting thing uh, I, I'm a good friend with the Speaker of the House and she set up a, a, a pretty tight criteria as to what we can present this year uh, and I'm pretty uh, pretty stubborn myself uh, I'm one of these guys that I don't give up so I'm gonna keep talking with her and try and get her to uh, to give us a hearing and the beauty of it is this there's a section that I put in the bill to, to allow Donations from organizations and can you imagine when we know we need to do this to go to Amazon to go to the Boeing company to go to Microsoft to go to Starbucks and say we need resources to help us have our own PPE to have this community do this so we think and I'm trying to present it to her like that because I I I know we need to do something because I don't want to wait until October, November, December, when we have something else happen and we're having to shut down all of the schools, shut down all of the businesses. This will give us a chance to, like Eisenhower said, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. Be planning for the next disaster because we think it's going to come.
0: Well, speaking of planning, uh, what are some of your other uh, priorities for next session?
1: Well, you, you, you know, my 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 mantra uh, and during the entire time that I have served in the legislature uh, has been uh, to have good schools, good safe schools, good safe roads, and good jobs with benefits. We're going to continue with that one, uh, but I'm going to be working a, a, a tremendous amount of time uh, with the public safety committee because we are going to address uh, this issue that we are dealing uh, we're dealing with with respect to. Uh, uh, Police use of force and I, I can't say all the things that we're doing. I have a long meeting tomorrow We're gonna we were on the, a zoom call today for probably three hours on a zoom call We're gonna do this because you know our nation is so divided right now uh, And I will be the first to tell you uh, I I know uh, Hundreds of police officers and I can tell you this 99.9% of these brave men and women go to work every day to do the job, to protect the community, to honor their oath. And we're gonna make sure that they get to do their job. We're also gonna find a way to hold those who are not doing the job properly, hold those who are mistreating other people, hold those who are are not doing the job well, hold them accountable. And that's gonna be a huge part of what we're going to do. And that's starting right now.
0: Well, Representative John Lovick, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I will let people know that they can find out more about your campaign at reelectjohnlovick.org. Thank you again for being here and uh, thank you for all you do. And that is it for today. Our website is indivisiblepodcast.org and our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. and is part of the Demcast Podcast Network. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.